This Quarrcast podcast is brought to you by Reframing Our Stories. Conversations with your loved ones about relationships, puberty, and the body can sometimes be awkward. At Reframing Our Stories, we say, you are worth the awkward, and so is your family. We've developed three age-based sets of conversation cards with questions and prompts that can help get these conversations going. Use them at dinner, before bedtime, or in the car. Learn more through our store at www.reframingourstories.com. That's www.reframingourstories.com. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is violent. It's continued. Welcome back to part two. Just like you guys were left on a cliffhanger, so was Lola. Lola is listening to this an entire week later. And so all week long. (laughs) I am not having a good time out here. I am struggling. (laughs) Waiting for this. All week long, she's like, I need answers now. <laughs> Do you know how many times I could have Googled this? I could have gone on Reddit and found all the things, but... Yep, you could have. I had self-control. You're amazing. I exhibited the fruits of the Spirit. I am very proud of you because there are times when I just want to Google, like when the Morbid Podcast, when they do two-parters or three-parters <laughs> or four-parters or five-parters. I I just want to Google the case and get like a 20-minute like synopsis really fast just so I know what the hell's going on. I know. But I don't do it because they do such a good job when they do multiple parts that I'm like, oh, I'm going to ruin it for myself. I know. But I don't. But I well, don't. I'm ready. So yes. get to it right now. Tell me what happened. Let's <laughs> jump right into this. Let's just not leave you hanging any longer. So uh, just to give you a little rundown, where we're at in the story, yes. remind you where we're at. We are in the church. They've just had a all full day church session. Yes. And then Tiffany has asked all of them to stay, the uh, Leonard family. And as the boys are being berated, Christopher um, and Lucas, Joe punches Lucas in the back and Ugh. the beating began. Now, just quickly, as this start is starting, Tiffany pauses all of the questioning that she's doing to the boys right now because she wants to make sure that the recording is going. What? Yes. She Why? wanted to make sure what? that, ev- like, because they would record every session, uh, like, audibly and video. And <gasps> she just wanted to make sure that the recording equipment was not only on, but, like, recording at this moment. Are you guys getting this? What? Yeah, basically. Basically. Mm-hmm. So after she got confirmation that it's on and going, she continues on. And she's asking a lot of these, you know, a lot of questions to the boys. And the boys are being pretty silent at the beginning. And Bruce, uh, Lucas and Christopher's dad, speak up and he says, quote, if he doesn't answer, hit him, end quote. (gasps) What is happening all around me? So at this point, multiple people start hitting Christopher. This is like a stoning. This is what this reminds me of, is a stoning. Yes. It really it really is. Now, I can't remember. I have in my notes that Joe punched Lucas in the back. Okay. And so 
But when, if I'm remembering correctly, when they started the hitting, they were hitting Christopher first. And so maybe they, maybe I have it in my notes wrong and Joe punched Christopher and uh, not Lucas. I could be completely wrong. So after Bruce says, yeah, after Bruce says that, uh, multiple people start hitting Christopher. Linda, fucking hate Linda. Fucking hate Linda. Linda. Um, she was punching him so hard. Uh, he's bleeding. <gasps> Linda, yeah. Linda? Yeah. And then... Come here, Linda. We need to, we need to talk. Is Linda dead? No. No. No, Linda is not. Well, me and Waya want to fight you. That's all. <laughs> Waya's all. like, bitch. <laughs> she said, pull the fuck up. <laughs> pull the fuck up, Linda. Goddamn, Linda. Wait, um, how in the... Also... How is this... What is... Is this the mob mentality? Like, what is this? It really... It, it really was. And this is just the beginning. Unfortunately, I'm really sorry. Like, this... It, it gets bad. Even his mom, Debbie, joins in and hits him too. And before you know it, Bruce is also attacking his sons. Or son, I think at this point it was just Christopher. Joseph steps in and starts kicking Chris and then holds his arms back so others can hit him without him trying to protect himself. After a little while, Tiffany pauses the beating and turns her focus now on Lucas. She started asking him the same questions and he stayed silent. So now it was his turn to get the beating. So I think I was wrong in my notes at the beginning. I don't think Joe punched Lucas. I think he punched Christopher in the back. And then the beating started with everyone hitting Christopher. And Christopher is the younger brother okay. to Lucas. Yeah. So I think I was slightly off on that one. Oh my God. Such violence. Very violent. And so now that Lucas is not answering as well, it's his turn and he's getting beaten. Same thing is happening. After being continually beaten, Lucas couldn't take it anymore. And in desperation, he started confessing to anything. Just like I said in part one, when they would have these counseling sessions, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, they would be berated for so long. It was like, the only thing that I can compare it to, in my opinion, is when somebody is being interrogated by the police and the police are using very strong and forceful tactics and they are interrogating the person for so long, the person ends up doing a false confession. Now, really quick, if you don't believe false confessions are real, go do your research because they're very much real. And so that's the only thing I can think Especially of. Especially when you're subjected to like physical torture, you know? Yes, yes. You just want it to be over with. You'll confess to anything. Exactly. I, I don't care what you say. When you've got needles shoved up underneath your nail beds and you're being bludgeoned to death and everything like right. you will confess to anything dude i'd be like an alien probed me that 17 times like whatever you want me to tell you i will fucking tell you <laughs> like i don't i, I an I, alien probed me up the ass <laughs> I, I just was like i'm gonna think of the most out there thing you know what it. aliens are real now too so i know we've been having some I, y'all drop that, that down i know i don't i don't even care you know, no, like, no. let them be real mm-hmm. and explain to them, explain to them our, our government and see if they can fix it. I don't know how many times <laughs> I've seen people do videos of like, hey, do you got room on the spaceship? Like, do you got free health care? Can I come? And I'm like, right? I like, will go like, with you. What else could they fuck up? We're already pretty fucked up. So like, are you kind to your planet? <laughs> right. I got to survive. I got to pay my bills and feed my kids and cool. We got aliens. 
<laughs> Let's go. Now, some of these confessions that Lucas starts confessing to, he says that he molested all of his nieces and nephews. He even confesses to molesting neighborhood kids and even kids at his um, homeschool co-op. Now, Chris took Lucas's... But this wasn't true, right? No, none of this was true. He was literally just confessing to all of this so that it would just end and he could just go on. Okay. Now, uh, Crystal, his sister, does believe that he was also being very facetious and kind of like we said in part one, I think you said it in part one of like stick it to the man kind of thing where he was like shock and awe, you know, like like, spit back in the face. Right, for sure. Right. And so she's his sister. She knows him and better than we do. And she knows the cult. And so I, I, I take her assumption of that pretty seriously. Um, in my opinion, it was probably a combination of all of the above. Um, so Chris takes Lucas's lead and he starts making the same confessions. And they both um, even went into detail about molesting their nieces and nephews. And this was Sarah's kids. So remember, Sarah lives in their attic. Okay, Sarah is their sister. Sarah yes, was one of right. Debbie's kids when they heard Bruce um, got married. She was one of their kids that she brought out into the marriage, into the blended family. So, but remember, Sarah lives in that attic where she had like made it Fort Knox. She had put lock upon lock upon lock. And so how could they have gotten into the attic and done this? I was just about to say, didn't she like put a moat around it? <laughs> right. Basically, she had locked it all up. So like, how could they have gotten in there to molest her children? And they had confessed to molesting them and like going into very graphic detail of like pretty awful molestation and and um, assault, sexual assault of, of these tiny, tiny, tiny children that there would be physical evidence if that was to have taken place. Okay. Okay. Now, when Lucas made this confession uh, about Sarah's kids, she went to go check on her kids and see if there was any sexual assault or trauma or evidence of trauma taking place. Um, and so I'm a, I think what they said they did was like some kind of pinch of penetrative assault on like the youngest, which was just a handful of years old. So it would have been very evident by looking at their their privates that something had happened. There was no evidence. Yeah. Like she looked at it and she was like, they didn't do anything to my kid. So now that they know the boys are lying, they are determined to get the truth, whatever the truth yeah. is out of the boys. And so... God, fucking Linda. Why is Linda keep coming up? What is she, what does she do? She can go. Linda is fine. Fucking kiss ass who wants to like emulate the She's Irwins. the pick me girl. She's so fucking pick me. And so she decides since they're not getting the truth, she's like, I'm going to take it up a notch. This bitch goes over to like, kind of like a closet area that they had where they were storing all of the cords, like um, extension cords and cords <gasps> for the band no. and things like that. Don't go here, Lacey. I know, I know, I know. She goes Mm -mm. and gets one of those cords and she hands it to Bruce, Lucas and Christopher's father. Now the beating is turning from a beating into a full-on whipping. The boys were whipped on their back, their chest, all while being asked these questions one after the other. And if they stayed silent, they got whipped even more. As a father, how... 
are you doing anything that you're doing? I I don't like, know. Where is the parental, you know, uh, gene or a uh, intuition? So, you know, what? I have to because that's like my first initial reaction as well when I hear stories like this is like, how the fuck did you let it get this far? But I have to like step back. There's just that instinct, isn't there, to like, right, step in. But you also have to think, I have to like step back and think, okay, this was a man. I'm talking about Bruce and Debbie, the parents. These were people who had been systematically abused and manipulated and brainwashed for years. And now one of their children or both of their children potentially are partaking in some form of molestation against other small children. And one of which is Mm. their daughter, you know, saying that he washed her shower. Yeah. So I have to put myself in their shoes of like, they probably feel very torn and very disgusted that like, yeah, this is what their boys would confess to. And I think they are so brainwashed that it's like, they have convinced themselves of things that they would confess to in probably their counseling sessions that weren't true. They've convinced themselves that it was true. Or they've been beaten down so much by Tiffany and everybody else that like they've really believed that they are these horrible people that need to work on their lives and submit more or be a better father. That there's no way that Lucas and Christopher would confess to this without it being true. And so they're in this mindset of this has to be true or some form of this is true. And we have to get to the end of this. We always want certainty. Yeah. And you also have the brainwashing of like biblical teachings of you you Mm -hmm. discipline your child and not just discipline, but you beat them. They use that Bible verse of like, uh, what was it? The the blows. Yeah. The blows of something. Yeah. The holy blows. (sighs) Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So in order to try and stop the whipping, um, the boys gave more and more graphic details of molestation and started to confessing to watching their family members take, uh, even other members of the family taking showers. Sarah asked if they watched uh, her kids take showers. They said yes. Um, And instantly, Sarah sees red. They're trying to get this beating to stop. They're confessing to everything. They're confessing to more and more graphic molestation. And now they're confessing to watching her kids take showers. And this is not something that she can physically prove or disprove in this moment. And it's plausible because they have to shower in the the shower, the bathroom right beside their room. Yes. So in this moment, Sarah sees red and she, I mean, her rage just goes from a zero to a million in this moment. She immediately grabs the cord and starts whipping them one after the other. The difference is, is when the other people whipped the boys, they took the cord and they took the plug-in on both ends and they folded it and held the plug-ins in their hand. So the looped area was what the boys got whipped with. When she decided to whip them, she turned the cord over. And so she was holding the loop in her hand and whipping them with the pronged end and the other end. Yeah. This is just like <laughs> trying to get it to stop and it keeps getting worse and trying yeah. to get it to end and it just won't end. Does she yeah. not know them well enough? Like, 
or did she not know them well enough to know what they were doing like Crystal was saying or she had known she had known them her whole life but remember Sarah was the one who she would like leave the church for a while she moved to a couple different places and then she would she came back and so she had yeah. kind of had a life outside of the church at some certain points and she had at this point had three kids, if I'm remembering correctly. And every single mm-hmm. child had a different father. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just like she was not following the rules that the church was putting in place. But she also mm. was very much after she came back and lived with her family, the Irwins kind of like took her in. She was kind of their puppet. And she was like tattletelling on everybody in the house and even her mom. And so in her mind she was doing what the Irwins were saying was God and godly. <sighs> and so... Okay, I see. That's, her, yeah, that's her brainwashing at this moment. When she she is like blacked out rage right now and she's hitting him with these prongs over and over and over again. And when they would try to protect themselves, Joseph would come up and hold their arms back so that they couldn't. Like he was forcing them to take the beating and the whipping Uh. from the cord. To remind you, Joseph is one of the Irwin brothers. Now the boys begged them to stop. They were in so much pain and they were bawling. Lucas had blood puddling from his groin area down his leg and it was even soaking his jeans into his shoes, all over his sock, everything. While Lucas is laying there covered in blood, God, fucking Linda, this bitch. She leans in and she has the audacity to ridicule him by saying, ain't so tough now. Look, you peed yourself. Linda, come here. Let's talk. I don't think I've ever wanted to punch. God's love and how that is not part of it. I don't think I've ever wanted... any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. I've never wanted to punch somebody as much as I've wanted to punch Linda. And I've told this case with Christian times. <laughs> right. Nah. nah I'm going to straight from the devil himself. Rage straight from the devil. Yeah. Soccer puncher. Heard that. Right in the titty. Right in the. <laughs> <laughs> you just got that. <laughs> right in the titty. <laughs> right in the titty. That was good. Uh, oh my God. I feel sick thinking about how much pain they were in. I can, uh, I can't even begin to imagine. Now. The only one of the group that... I'd rather die. Yeah, well... I was going to say, this is titled a certain way for a reason. Exactly. So. Uh, Tiffany was the only one out of the whole entire group that didn't lay a hand on the boys herself. She, of course she did. She had her minions to do it. Like, every cult leader mm, isn't the one who does this shit. Right? It's always the other fucking people because they're, they're little fucking minions. For hours, this beating continues. The boys are crying, bleeding, and begging them to stop. And this is over and over. Now, at 3 a.m., mind you, this beating started around just a little after 10. So it's been... 3 a.m.? It's been roughly five hours, maybe a little less. Uh, Bruce, the father, finally has them stop to take a break. Him and Tiffany get together and they make a plan to separate the boys to, quote, get the truth. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. It's been five goddamn motherfucking hours that you've been beating these boys senseless. They're bleeding everywhere. And they're black and blue from head to fucking toe. They've been confessing to everything under the sun that you are asking them. 
and it's been five hours and you're asking them for the truth. What's the fucking truth? Yeah, like what? what's the answer you want to hear exactly. at this point? If they're confessing to something that you're challenging and you like have, I guess, some preconceived notion about like, mm-hmm. what was the end game? It feels like there wasn't one. Was this just fun for them? Was this just like some sadistic, like weird spiritual ritual that they could like... <laughs> Get off on? I don't get it. If anyone was getting off, it was probably Tiffany because she was power hungry little cunt. The only thing I can think is that maybe they thought there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And so they just kept going. Five hours worth of information. How much more are they thinking they're going to get though? They're going. How have they not passed out from the pain or blood loss too? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, honestly, I wonder if that happened. I yeah, I have no at idea. any point. In this time, during this time frame, I have no idea. I don't think so. But yeah, I don't, in reality, we have, none of us have experienced, at least me and you, uh, brainwashing to this extreme. And so we can come up with theories like all day, but I don't think we'll ever understand it, which. Unless you unfortunately can't. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we did understand it because then it would be easier to help prevent in the future. But it's good when people like Crystal, you know, come forward and talk about these hard things that like, and this, she's having to relive trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're grateful that she's willing to walk that, that road again to like bring light the things that happened and yeah, uh, hopefully give us information of how we can stop it in the future. Yeah, and and I will get to this at the end of this uh, today's session, but session case, whatever. Uh, I'm going to talk more about Crystal, and she's honestly just a shining, beautiful human being, and her healing and her forgiveness, and just it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. The things that forgiveness. I just wow. Well, just wait because we'll get there. And I, I'm telling you, this girl. Wow, she's one of my top favorite people. Love you, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to hear this then. Okay, proceed. So, so they, they make a they plan. Go to separate ways to make the plan. They're ready to get to the truth. Um, now. So they decide that they're going to put earplugs in one boy and have him sit in another room while they beat and interrogate the other one. So they can't communicate or can't hear what's going on. I don't know, psychological fucking warfare right here. So after hours of this, the boys were in so much pain, they could barely stand and were even dozing off at times. Rightfully so. Nobody knew it at this time, but Lucas's body couldn't take it anymore and it had began, begun to shut down. As he sat in a chair crying and oh, literally dying, his mother sat in a chair next to him and fell asleep. Bruce walked through and found Lucas mumbling. Okay, Peter. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> what the fuck is yes. this? This, Just, is th- this is the crucifixion made over. Mm-hmm. This is disgusting. He beaten for hours, interrogated, mocked, and then your your Own loved ones fall asleep around you. Mm-hmm. Yep, she falls asleep. <laughs> Bruce walked through, and he found Lucas mumbling and not making sense. He was just like oh, 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 gibberish, and he was falling over in the chair as well. And he started shaking violently and. Nobody did anything. Not not one fucking person. Now, <laughs> you want to know what they did do? Oh, let's talk about what they did do. Hours later, Lucas... Please tell me. Lucas was on the floor writhing in pain and he was smearing blood all over the floor. And they just could not have that. 
don't you dare get your fucking blood on my floor. So they went and got a tarp and dragged Lucas's body on top of the tarp and let him writhe in pain on the fucking tarp. Well, at least they have their priorities straight. Right way is like, that's some fucking bullshit. I feel so horrible about this. Why do I feel like it's, I'm feeling Mm. the guilt about it, even though I didn't do shit, but like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. Just, I just want to hug them and call 911. It's so (gasps) much betrayal and in so many different, coming at you from so many different avenues, like your religious leaders that you've been raised to respect and honor and, and you've grown up with are now literally beating you senseless. Your loved ones, your sister, your mom, your dad. Like, I can't even fathom the betrayal that these boys felt. And one of them still feels probably to this day. It's it's devastating. As the hours passed, Lucas was moving less and less until suddenly he stopped. Then just before noon on Monday, we are to the next day. You said hours and I thought, okay, five in the morning. No, because remember oh they God. stopped at three to come up with That's the plan. Right. You... And then they oh, beat yeah. them back and forth taking turns like it's a fucking game. Lots of brain cells, lots of brain squiggles happening for these people, obviously. I you know, that can't. their plan, if a plan has violence dribbled in it, I don't think it's a very intelligent plan. No. And that's. Let's fucking talk about that for a second because the Bible... It's like men with war. (laughs) Yeah, and the Bible like romanticizes fucking violence in every which way. I'm sorry. Genocide, rape, everything. And a king's like, hey, you want my daughter? Bring me some foreskins, motherfucker. And he's like, cool, I'll go cut off Mm. a bunch of foreskins and bring them to you. That's a goddamn Bible story. Are you kidding me? It's weird. It's weird as fuck. And that's just one of many. The There is a... Yeah. Uh, there's a podcast called Holy Hell. It's a new podcast. I think they only have a handful of episodes out. Absolutely amazing. It's done by an atheist and a Christian. And they dissect like different perspectives or different topics. And like hell's one of them. And then violence is also one of them. And it's... They just really dig into it. I will link it in the notes, um, show notes, because it's just an amazing perspective and it really helps you understand why... That's our plug for the day. Christian and nationalist, right-wing, extremist Christians, literally like their go-to is always violence. And... You know, I hate that we call them Christians because really, if you're a Christian nationalist, you're not a Christian. You're just a nationalist. Like you're just... I hate that we don't have anything else to like describe them as because mm-hmm. like there's nothing wrong with seeking Christianity. Jesus is a cool dude, but like y'all got it all fucked up. <laughs> but at the same time, the problem I have with that is at the same time, and that's why I don't consider myself a Christian is because mm-hmm. Christian Christianity has had such a long history of violence and like oh, weaponizing yeah. their religion over groups of people slavery. 
Correct. Uh, Native Americans, colonization. Um, There's a reason for a lot of mar- marginalization exactly. happening in the first place. So it's I mean, hard for me they, to be like... They push a lot of people out. Yeah. So it's hard for me to be like, well, that's not Christianity because it's like, well, <laughs> they're probably more close to... That is... You know, yeah, it's hard. I, I know that's going to yeah. offend a ton of people, but like, I'm sorry, that's just why I cannot tie myself to that religion. Well, it's the reality. It's the same reality that like Catholicism walks when it Mm -hmm. comes to sexual crime. Mm -hmm. You know, you, we all acknowledge altar boys. Mm -hmm. You can't just not acknowledge that if you're gonna be a person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But like at the same time, you can find a lot of beauty in Catholicism. And I'm not saying Catholics are bad because they're not in general. But you got the few that made it really shitty and did a lot of abuse. And now you still have to answer for it because it was in the name of Catholicism. Yeah. And that's the problem is we've never, (laughs) we've never confronted our violent past. We've always True. Spiritually bypass it up. Justify well, that it. was that generation, or that was in the past, uh-huh. or there's nothing I can do about it. And so we or gaslight. Or the law then said this. Exactly. We, yeah. we, we gaslight or spiritually bypass it in a way that makes us feel more comfortable. And I have a problem with that. I really do. It's not accountability. It's not it a isn't. real accountability until you acknowledge it and change. Yeah. There we go. There was our rant. <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's Chew on to that. Lucas. Bunnies. <laughs> Bunnies. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Just keep going. Just, <laughs> okay. right. Just before noon on Monday, Tiffany yells and Debbie and Bruce, his parents come running in and they find that Lucas isn't moving. Not only is Lucas not moving, he's also not responding. They're shaking him. They're trying to arouse him. Nothing. Oh, now you're worried. Now. Great. Because they also realize at this moment, oh, fuck, he's also not breathing. So wow. they all stood there in shock. Yeah, they just stand there. They're just standing there in shock. And Daniel and Joseph, the brothers, run upstairs yelling, Mom, come quick, Lucas is hurt. So Chris, at this time, notices a commotion because he doesn't hear this. Like he has the fucking earplugs in. He notices okay. a commotion. So he looks over, takes his earplugs out, and he sees everyone surrounding Lucas. And so he's like, what the fuck? And so he gets up and he goes and joins them. And he realizes that Lucas is not there. What did they think was going to happen? Like, <laughs> Your son was covered in blood. I don't know what they thought was going to happen after beating them for hours, you know? Hours. I don't mm-hmm. know. So Tracy immediately starts CPR. Um, I think she like... Uh, had some kind of CPR training. So she was like literally the only one in the group that knew CPR. Now, Chris, the brother, who's also beaten senseless, he tries to help, but due to being beaten, he couldn't get the breath in order to like offer, do the breath for Lucas for CPR. It is so much work. Oh, yeah, yeah. My brother is a nurse and it was, this is a while back. He had a patient code and they, I can't remember how long he said they did uh, CPR and you basically, like you get up on the bed and you straddle the patient and you're just like, yes. one of you's, you know, doing the compressions and he had to like take turns with with people and he did it for a long time and I was like, are, your, are you sore? And he's like, I'm going to be sore for days. Yeah, you do it as long as you can, what? like physically do it well, but if you're not doing chest compressions well, you got to swap out to somebody else. Because if you're not getting the deep compression, you're not moving oxygen efficiently. Yeah. 
it's very, for the lack of a better word, violent as well. Like it, it cracks ribs and it's just, yeah. You can break so all sorts of shit. So that's what Tiffany and Tracy are doing. Tracy's, I think Tracy's the one doing the compressions. Yeah, yes, you can. Okay. Tracy tells them that the only way to save Lucas at this point is to get him to a hospital immediately. Now, Bruce thought it over while Tracy was trying to urge him, like, we've got to take him. Because remember, they didn't even take fucking Jerry. I just had his name just like flew out of my head. <laughs> Jerry, they didn't even take Jerry or went to the hospital when he had a stroke. That's you know? true. Yeah. They're not very hospital forward, if you will. No, not. Not at all. Not very not. healthcare oriented. <laughs> no, and they're terrified of it because they, they've been taught that like healthcare people are trying to play God. So they're trying, Bruce is trying to process through this. Like, should I take him? Should I not? And Tracy is urging him. We got to take him. We got to take him. So finally, Bruce agrees. I don't think this took all that long, like maybe a minute or so, but still a minute's a long time when someone's dying or dead. So they carry Lucas and Bruce, Debbie, Tracy, and Tiffany rush him to the hospital. So those are the four that went to the hospital with him. Now they got to the hospital at 12.22 p.m. And Debbie and Bruce run into the hospital yelling, trying to get help. Now nurses come out and pulled Lucas out of the car and put him on the cement and they took over the CPR. Now they quickly noticed that his hands were bruised and the blood covering his pants. Like it's literally puddling down his pants. We will post a picture on Instagram for you guys to see. This is a crime scene. Yeah, they're like, something's a little Mm -hmm. finky right here. Hinky, I said finky. Hinky. Now, the nurse looked down Lucas's pants and noticed all the bruises. And while the nurse is doing this, Bruce comes over and yells at Lucas, child molester. What? Yes. He literally, as his son is laying there, dead or dying, and they're trying to save his life, and he runs over and he's yelling child molester at him. You think he wanted him to die? I don't think he wanted him to die. I think that he was literally convinced that Lucas was a child molester. I I guess it makes sense. I mean, if you're that brainwashed and you... Yeah. Now, nurses are asking, like, uh, what happened? You know, they're very confused, especially the dad yelling over him, child molester. So Bruce tells them, I think he got beat up. Now, the nurses continue to ask questions like, how was it drug-related? When did this happen? Who beat them him up? Like they come on, we need some kind of answers. And no one would answer anything. So I'm like, okay, for one, that tells me that like you knew what you did was wrong. Like, period. Like this was not like justifiable. Do you think they knew at this point <sighs> they were gonna get the cops called on them? Cause like obviously, I know you haven't gotten to this point, but I'm assuming that like I know for hospital staff, any stabbings and gunshots are automatically grounds for calling the police. I don't know if like, I feel like this would constitute it, you know? I don't think that they, as in like Bruce and Debbie and everybody else that's there at this moment, I don't think they felt like the cops are going to be called because I don't think they believed that Lucas would die. Oh, like okay. I think they were probably in denial at this point. But even if he didn't die, that's severe, severe. Yeah. Well, the nurses aren't saying thing because like they they are picking up that something's not right. And they didn't say this, but they knew at this moment 
when they're not even in the hospital yet, he's literally laying on the concrete. They knew that this was a dead body. This was not a come back to life. You know, you've been out for a little bit and we can do chest compressions or do the shocking and whatever that's called and bring him back. <laughs> the like they knew that this is dead. What is that called? Defibrillator. <laughs> you said the shocky thingy. Uh, yeah. The shocky thingy. I'm not medical whatsoever. Don't 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 come at me. I'm CPR certified for the both of us. So hey, I I'm CPR certified. Are you? And I could use a defibrillator. Oh, you just uh, don't know what it's called. I just it's been years. It has been years since my. I think we did CPR certification when my youngest was born. We did it again. Well, the defibrillator machine tells you what to do anyway. It's very user friendly. Yes. So that's the good news. It is. And that's why I was like, I could totally use one. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> so the nurses are, you know, like I said, they they know this is a dead body, but they still take it, take Lucas into the hospital and act as if like they're going to try to save his life because they, they know that something's up. And so they're like, okay, we need to just get him in and try to get some more answers. So one nurse tried to interrogate Bruce, the dad, but he wouldn't even tell him his name. He was like not telling anything. He just kept calling Lucas a child molester. That's all he would say. And Joseph and Daniel at this point and Chris, so the brothers, uh, Tiffany's brothers and Chris, the other victim, ended up coming to the hospital. But as Joseph got out of the car, he saw his mom and she waved him away like, get out of here, get out of here real quick. And then he got back-to-back text messages from Tiffany that said, stay away, leave now. Like, get out of here. Like, they knew that. Oh my God. I think, so with that, I think Tiffany and Tracy were like, oh, fuck, this is bad. I think Bruce and Debbie were like in denial and in shock more. And so I think it was probably, they were all probably thinking, both groups were thinking different things at this point. Oh my God. I can't believe Tiffany texted him that. She did. As Joseph, Daniel, and Chris went back to the church, Chris was struggling to breathe and kept throwing up. Um, His body was actually, we find out later, his body was shutting down at this time. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Someone call 911. The staff at the hospital tried to question everyone, but again, no one's talking. And all the hospital was going off of was the fact that Lucas was beaten. That's literally all they had. So as the hospital is examining Lucas, they saw that he had ashen skin, massive bruising to the upper thighs and groin area. And what they thought was a gunshot wound to the tip of his penis. They believed that a bullet had struck him in the penis. Yeah. Uh -uh. Just just wait. They believed that a bullet had struck him in the penis, then traveled up into his body, causing internal damage that led to his death. (gasps) Now, we know that there was no gun and we know that there's no gun involved. Yeah. So he was not shot. Okay. But because they don't know what's going on, Mm. they just see a wound that is in his penis and they're assuming that he was shot, you know? So... Oh my God. No one's talking. So that's like the best theory they can come up with at this moment. I really thought you were about to do this whole twist on me and be like, there was a gun. No, he was not shot. And there wasn't a good 
in all honesty, though, like if it was a gun, he would have probably died faster and it wouldn't have been as excruciating. I also thought of that. For being honest. Not that I wanted you to die. Beautiful Lucas, but no, I just don't want you to have suffered like you did. Mm. Seriously, I ate the men on that one. Now, the hospital, this is, like I said, best educated guess. And they could tell from Lucas's body that he'd been dead for a while. Mm. This wasn't somebody who has just died. And so based off of a gunshot wound that they're assuming to the penis and him knowing that he'd been dead for a while, they're like, it's they're calling the cops. Mm-hmm. So the police arrive um, and they separated everybody to question them. Again, no one is answering any questions. And, and Or if they were, they were just getting like random pieces of information. Like he raped a baby. Ugh. And then Tracy, the the Tiffany's mom was like, I was the only one that knew CPR. And yeah. then he's their son. It was just all these random moments. I think <laughs> at sorry. this point... It's not funny. I'm sorry. It's not, but it also is in the sense of like, <laughs> just, that's all you could come up with. Really? Yeah. They know they're fucked. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I think they were also in shock because for Tiffany and for Tracy, they're like, are we culpable in this? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we, the cops are here. We're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think Luca, uh, Debbie and Bruce are like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what did we just do to our son? My husband's molest- a molester. These people haven't had any sleep in a long time. Also. also, yeah, they're going on not only le- like no sleep. They'd been at church all day, 20, over 24 hours. They'd been at church. That's just gross. Mm-mm. Now, when they started talking, Bruce and Debbie claimed that they got a call to pick up Lucas on Oneida Street and he was hurt and then said that they um, beat him because he was a child molester. So they're getting somewhere. They've gotten Oneida Street, which is the street the church is on. And they're getting that they beat him because he was a child molester. And I think that they are not saying that they themselves beat them. They're saying that he was beaten by somebody because he is a child molester. After some time, the police went to search the Leonard's home and the neighbors were shocked when they heard that Lucas was dead. The family doesn't know that Lucas is dead at the point at this point, but the cops do. And so the cops go to the house and after the cops leave, the neighbors knew that the Leonard's had had some animals. And so they're like, we're going to go check them out and, and see if they're okay but they didn't realize what they were about to walk into. Now, as they entered, they found the home in complete shambles. Trash and animal feces were everywhere and the house smelled like urine. There was only one, one mattress in the whole house and in the parents' bedroom, there was only a box spring for a mattress. As for the animals they found, one dog tied up, two dogs in moldy cages, one dog running around the house, eight cats, and a couple birds. What is happening? I This is a whole other mm-hmm. thing. What, what, what are fact? they living yeah. in? I'm confused. Complete. This is what, like, I don't want to be like, a, do an armchair diagnosis, but... I want you to. If I just, had just in this to case. guess based off of the brainwashing and the emotional abuse that Debbie specifically was under. And I I think she was probably dealing with some kind of mental health problem, depression, anxiety, something. I don't know. I'm not going to 
say she for sure was, but I, I think she had to have been dealing with something to be able to live in this mess because we do find out also that they had through their homeschool co-op like meetings at their house. And before Sarah moved into the house, people would have meetings with this homeschool co-op at the Leonard house. And they said the house was not like that when they were there. So I think after Sarah moved in and Sarah became this tattletale and just really ridiculing and the family and all of the family's choices. And then we also, Debbie had had her, I think a heart attack, what was it at that point? Or a stroke, heart attack, she had a heart attack. I think all of it compiled on top of each other. She was dealing with some kind of mental health disorder and then they deal with mental health disorders that are untreated. It can be very easy to live in this kind of... Yeah, it can manifest like in your hygiene for sure and mm-hmm. the way that you live and how you eat and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, I'm upset about the dogs. I'm upset about the dogs. It's very, very sad. The neighbors did feed all the animals and then Good. they quickly called an animal rescue. Good. And all of the animals were taken away and saved. Oh, thank God. Actually. Yes. Back at the station, uh, Tiffany is refusing to talk, and she's also encouraging Bruce and Debbie to uh, obtain a lawyer. Now, as they were trying to get more information from Debbie, she slips uh, that Lucas was supposed to be picked up at the church. So now they have the actual church name and, and location of it. So police now get a warrant to search the church, but when they had searched Bruce's person, so like they did like a person search of down. all the people pat down they found a few bullets in his pocket and they were like oh shit now we're going to a church this kid's been beaten we don't really know what we're fucking walking into could this be another like waco situation oh, do you know that story yeah. yeah yeah okay so if you don't know the story about waco we will cover that cult we're gonna talk about it but <laughs> the you know cops show up and all hell breaks loose and people die okay that's what you need to know until we go into it deeper but correct they were a little worried that that could happen so they're like e, we got to get organized you got to get the SWAT team. Mm-hmm. And so as they're gathering all of this, they still continue to interrogate all the other members. Now, during interrogations, Bruce was told his son had died. Now, he broke down crying, um, and then they asked him if he thought his son deserved what he got, and he said yes. And even oh. said that he had hoped that Lucas had asked for forgiveness before he died. Oh, my God. How could he? You guys were interrogating him the whole time he was conscious. Yeah. Now, throughout their interrogation, they realized that Joseph, Tiffany's brother, was present during whatever had happened. So they asked Tracy, Tiffany's mom, to text him and have him come in for questioning. I know I keep saying like who each person is. There's just so many people involved in this case. I'm trying to make it easier. I'm glad you are. Okay, thank you. Because I'm just trying to make it easier to follow. (laughs) Firstly, I have short-term memory. Secondly, (laughs) right? uh, yeah, it just, it keeps me in track. Uh, I don't know. So many people. Yeah. Now Joseph comes in instantly and he starts saying, I wasn't there the whole time. I don't know what happened. I I don't know how that killed him. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's what he's saying. Say less. All of a sudden, he just starts blaming all of it on Bruce and Debbie. And he ends up giving a list of everyone who was present at this meeting. Now, they then ask him if he hit Lucas because they noticed that he had many bruises on his hands. Joseph responds with, no, and he wasn't hit. He was spanked. Excuse me? difference? Excuse me? Because Christians have justified, quote, spanking. (laughs) Yeah. And not just Christians, a lot of people justify spanking 
you know, their children. Like that's good for him. Uh, excuse me. This is not a spanking. And throughout his entire interrogation, every single time the cops would say beaten, he would be like, it was a spanking. He would correct him every time. Wow. Kinky. <laughs> the worst kind. Now, mm-hmm. Joseph finally wises up a little bit. And he's like, uh, I need a lawyer. And he goes, I need to talk to somebody. He actually says, quote, I need to talk to someone. I need help. The cop says, yeah, you do. And he gets up and turns to walk out of the room. But then when he gets to the door, he turns back and he looks at Joseph and he says, quote, you need the kind of help that a lawyer can't give you. And then he walked out of the room. No truer words ever said. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Right. Right. Mike dropped their cup. Goes, ugh. So back at the church, the police and SWAT make entry and get everyone out of the church. All the kids were taken and put into state care. One of Sarah's kids asked if they were going to be hurt. The police told them they would be fine, they would be safe. And then the kids said, it isn't safe at home. Now, as the police (gasps) are trying to get more information from the kids about their home life, they find out that Grace, Lucas and Christopher's sister, had told Sarah's kids to lie to anyone who asked about their home life. So... They know what they're doing isn't okay in the eyes of the law. Like so much so they're telling people lie about it. Uh, What happened to God not wanting you to lie? Just like pretty sure that's in the Bible. Kind of one of the Ten Commandments, but okay. Since Joseph had given the, the police a list of everyone who was present at the spanking, they knew that Sarah and Chris had been there. And so they take them to the police station to be questioned. Chris was finally questioned after 11, just after 11 p.m. that night. And he mm, spilled all the tea. He was like, let me tell you what happened. Now, this is when the cops realized that Chris was a victim of this as well and brutally, brutally attacked. So they take some pictures of his body and his bruising and they take him to the hospital to be checked out while everyone else was put under arrest. Now at the hospital, they find out that Chris had lost 50% of his kidney function. They found (gasps) air outside of his lungs and he had lost three liters of blood from internal bleeding. How many liters are in a body? I forgot. I got to Google it. Just if you like, I'm just imagining three liters, but he didn't lose that outside of his body. He literally lost, like where the blood was supposed to be, it was leaking out like into his gut. Five liters. Five, there's only five liters in your body? Says the amount of blood circulating within an individual depends on size and weight, but the average human adult has about five liters of circulating blood. Women what? do have lower blood volume than men. Interesting. What the Fuck cracker. So that's majority of his blood. He lost three fifths of his blood <gasps> inside. That's so all so of much. that blood is still there. It's just leaking out into his entire body. And when that happens, so it's dangerous. massively deadly if it's not treated. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. deadly. So he had said uh, he, he had to stay in the ICU for an entire week in order to recover. And doctors testified later in court that if he had gotten, if he hadn't gotten medical t- uh, treatment, he would have died within five to 10 days. I don't doubt that. I, right? At I'm surprised all. it wasn't. It's, I, I thought it would have been sooner. Yeah. It, no, it's amazing that he survived, period. I mean, the fact that yeah. they honed in on Lucas first really was the only reason that I think he survived. And I think the hole in his penis, it made him lose 
way more blood externally. That is true. And that so, is true. Mm-hmm. Now, I will talk about like what exactly was going on in Lucas's body in just a little bit. Good. Please tell me. Yes. Uh, but I, that's in just a little bit. So I think due to Chris's statement of what happened, uh, they had enough evidence and probable cause to get a better search warrant for the church. And so mm-hmm. now they do a second search and they come up with, oh my God, some crazy shit. So first off, they had removed everyone from the building and while they searched it, everyone was in the parking lot when Tiffany starts complaining that she's cold. So I think it was Daniel, Daniel or David, one of the two, offers her his jacket. Now, before he gives it to Tiffany, the cop searches it, makes sure there's nothing in it, nothing's in it, gives it to Tiffany. So a few minutes after she has the jacket, she's like, ah, I'm not cold anymore, takes it off and is handing it back to Daniel or David, whichever one it was. But the cops are like, yeah, give us the jacket back because like you've only had it for a few seconds. And so the cops search it again and they find a USB drive. (gasps) What you trying to do with that USB drive? Okay. It's the recording. I will tell you. I will tell you. Oh, I will spoil this right now. I'm ready. We never find out what's on that USB drive. What the fuck? I know. Is it just like classified? I don't think it's classified. I just don't think think it was ever clarified. Like what specifically was on that specific USB drive. Damn. So we don't find out. So that was a a little like, my curiousness is like, I want to know. But the actual recording, I will Mm -hmm. will spoil that as well. The actual recording of the beating was also never recovered. And we will get into our theories on what we think happened to that recording. Okay. So inside the church, they are taking all technology the church has, computers, USB drives, recordings, and all personal files to anybody and everybody who was there that night. Now, um, they are searching the building and they find a locked room. And as they get into this locked room, they find that it's full of guns and ammo. So remember, Jerry was very anti-government. And so they had been stockpiling weapons for a long time. Now, this is even crazier. As they're searching this room full of guns and ammo, they end up finding a trap door. And they're like, what? And it's the trap doors in the floor. So of course, they're like, we got to see what's in that. I wish you guys could see Lola's face right now. She's like, what the fuck? (laughs) What in the the Coraline lovely bones shit is this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, get this. So they go exploring only to find that the Irwins had a 50 to 75 yard shooting range underneath the church that they had dug out into the foundation of the building. What? How how do you even... I have I have pictures. It's kind of hard to tell that that's what it is, but like I have pictures that I will also oh post. Oh my god, it's like it's like Batman's cave thing, but not as cool. Like like um, for Colt Christian Bale, Christian yeah. Bale in the the Dark Knight, like the shooting <laughs> range he had in his parking lot looking thing. You know, right, right. oh but my this god! Is, but this is the uh, Christian Redneck version, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> So the police had a massive job going through all the evidence they had collected. I mean, hours of video, thousands of texts, pages upon pages of notes from journals and more. It totaled 337 files of information. 
Now, I thought that that was a lot. And I still think that's a lot. But I'm going to go off the rails a little bit because nothing compares to the 11.6 million documents that they handed over to Trump's discovery after his fourth indictment the other day. So She can't stop talking about it, guys. <laughs> she can't stop. I know. I tried to... I tried I try to not bring up like local or not like our current news because we record so far in advance, but like... That is true. I hope by this time my dream has come true and I have a Trump perp walk <laughs> photo to put as my Christmas <laughs> photo this year. I'm just saying. It's going to be the background on our phone. That's her new oh religion God, is just watching <laughs> Trump... Uh, Go down. The, yeah. <laughs> Pay for his crimes. Okay. Anyways, I went off the rails. Okay. So 337 files full of information. Now, as they were going through the evidence, they realized that they didn't have the recording of Lucas and Christopher's final, quote, counseling session. But they Mm -hmm. heard that Tiffany's lawyer had it. So there's a great fine. Apparently, Tiffany's lawyer has it. So through a judge, they get um, a court order to make the lawyer Mm -hmm. hand over everything that was given to him. Now, Mm -hmm. he gave them, so the lawyer does, he gives them phones, computers, and a USB that was between two roof shingles that had been set on fire. Uh, so uh, I'm pretty so sure. I it's know. so vivid. I know. I can see it. <laughs> I can fucking see it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the, the counseling session and it was never recovered. So what we do know about the counseling session is from people who were there um, who, you know, said what had happened. Um, uh, in my opinion, this was like fucking guilty. This just screamed guilty. I don't know anyone else that would be like, yeah, they're so innocent. <laughs> I always put my USB drives between two roof shingles and then light it on fire. That's I mean, like common practice. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Now, the police end up charging everyone who was present the night of the beating, even Tiffany. She may not have laid a hand on the boys, but as they worked through all the evidence, it was crystal clear she was the ringleader and that if it wasn't for her being the toxic, controlling, and abusive cult leader that she was, then this wouldn't have ever happened. Now, due to the accusations and, quote, confessions made by Christopher and Lucas, they did examine all the kids, including Grace, to see if they had had signs of sexual abuse. All except one uh, of the Sarah's kids uh, consented to having the exam and none of them showed any kinds of sexual abuse. Thank God. There was only one kid that didn't consent to it, but that was the kid that Sarah looked at the night of the confessions in the counseling session. So, and she had said, there's no signs of abuse. That's why the beatings got worse. So there was no signs of sexual abuse, but there were signs very clear signs of physical abuse. Um, one kid had circular... Called it. Mm-hmm. One kid had circular scars that looked like burns from a cigarette. And uh, Sarah's kids had also said that they were regularly punished with a paintbrush. So I don't know I'm what sorry. that entails. Like, I don't know if they were like therapy? beat. Beat with the like the hard end of the paintbrush. I'm, I'm not sure. But that's what they said. Now, let's talk about Grace. So remember, she moved into the attic with Sarah a few years prior before. Oh, yeah. Because Lucas had allegedly, quote, watched her shower. At trial, she testifies that Lucas had touched her on her butt, boobs, and vagina growing up. Now she's asked when she was inappropriately touched for the first time, and she says four or five. And then they ask her, who was it that touched you? And she says, I think it was Lucas. I am a very big proponent of, like, believe victims. Mm-hmm. But 
we have to hold this, we have to hold what she's saying with an open hand because we know that she has been brainwashed to believe even laying with a baby without a diaper on is considered molestation. Kids weren't allowed to hold hands yeah, because that's considered molestation. Like there was so much that was considered molestation that these kids have a very warped sense of what that kind of, of just like normal things are and what molestation is and isn't. So I have, I have questions like, were they roughhousing and he accidentally touched her and she took that as abuse? Did he actually physically touch her out of curiosity? And um, cause like there are kids, which that's still not okay, but there are kids, especially in these high controlled religious groups that are like, like, trying to stifle sexuality and things like that. Was he curious and he touched? I don't know. I don't know how old he was compared to Grace at four and five. I think there was, you know, a few years between them. So he would have been like seven or eight. So So there's truth in her story, but we still have to consider all the external factors. Yes. And that's where it's like, we'll never have like a really clear picture of of what did and didn't happen. And for sure. That's that's frustrating. Yeah. In my opinion, and some of you may disagree with this, and that's fine, but I feel like if we equip our children with like age appropriate knowledge of sexuality, and I'm pretty sure I said this in part one, um, as they grow up, they will be able to approach sexuality with a more positive and informed mindset. And it will kind of strip away the negative stigma that a lot of society, not just including religious groups, have around sex and sexuality. And that could help these situations where boys and girls feel very curious and end up sexually assaulting their own sibling because we have stigmatized sexuality in a very harsh way. Now, okay, let's move on to the trials. So at trial, we find out that Lucas had no cancer at the time of his death. Okay. So remember, he hit his knee and he had that shadow on it. And Tiffany tried to tell him, that's cancer and you're going to die. You're going to die. Oh my God. God's doing it to you because you're rebelling. No, he did not have any cancer. Tiffany's wrong. Huh? Shocker. Wow. <laughs> wow. We are so shocked. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. shocked. <laughs> now, the autopsy revealed that he had a penny-sized hole at the tip of his penis. Oh, shit. So this Ugh. hole was caused by the prongs of the whip. Now, I don't think I said this earlier. That she had whipped him. She had whipped the boys so hard with this whip and the prong ends that it was literally breaking. Like, this really thick extension cord was breaking. She was what kind of brute of force is behind that woman? Goddamn. He was also dehydrated and due to his kidneys shutting down from the beating, it caused toxins to leach into his body while his salt levels rose. All of this combined caused his cells to shrink and it lowered the blood flow he had to his brain. The combination led to confusion, muddled thinking, seizures, being lethargic, him passing out, and then his eventual death. Christopher also testifies and explains that everything they had confessed to was a lie and that they were just saying what they thought the group wanted to hear so that the beatings would stop. The first trial to take place was Sarah and Bruce. They were tried together. I'm not really sure why, but they were. So they were the very first trial. Now, Bruce pled guilty. He was like, 
I did it. While Sarah waived her right to a jury, and now this meant that the judge would be her jury the whole time. And she went ahead with an actual trial. Trial. After hours and days of Sarah being questioned by the prosecution and defense, the judge decided, like, I'm going to come down hard on her. Now, if you go read the book, like, you should go read this book because there's so much more information in it. And, like, listening to Sarah's trial, like, the lady, uh, I listened to the Audible version of the book. And so you can actually... Lacey and I don't read. We Audible. (laughs) I Audible everything. Sponsor asked. Anyways, if you listen to her, like, the things she was saying in the... To the judge, like, trying to justify her thought process and, like, why her beliefs were the way they were. And and it was, she was very disrespectful to the judge and, and to this whole proceeding. It was just, it was wild. And it's too much to like try to go into detail, but you should read the book because it's amazing. And it's just very interesting listening to her. But the judge comes down hard and he's like, nope. and she was sentenced. She was found guilty at only 34 years old. She was found guilty of first degree manslaughter two counts of first-degree assault and two counts of first-degree gang assault. She was sentenced to 25 years in state prison. If she serves her full sentence, she won't be released till around 2041. Mm -hmm. Remember, her and Bruce are being tried together and Bruce pled guilty. And so actually, Bruce, during his time in prison prior to the trial, he had actually been able to start deprogramming from the brainwashing and he was truly remorseful of what had taken place. There was a man, he was another preacher, priest. I I think he was, I can't remember what congregation he was with. Maybe Anglican? I can't remember. But he like saw this all unfolding and he went and I think he had done like jail ministry and stuff. And so he went and he just like really helped Bruce start to see how much he was brainwashed and he was able to really come out of it. And this was huge. So at sentencing, many of the people that had seen that he had changed and he had been able to come out of it, many of them wrote in about his changes and how, you know, remorseful he was, basically trying to write in on his behalf to the judge. And to ho- so hopefully the judge would take that into consideration when sentencing him. And the judge agreed that Bruce was truly remor- remorseful and that he was very regretful of like what had happened. I know it's the same words, but the judge did end up giving Bruce 10 years in prison. Now, if he serves his full sentence, he won't be released till around 2026, but he will be up for parole in 2024. And from what we do know, he will be, most likely will be released next year. Wow. He has gone through, this is one of those cases with Bruce specifically where I, I, in my deepest heart of hearts, do not believe he would ever reoffend on anything. I think he was able to come out of that brainwashing and he nah, was able to see nah. what he'd done. And he has to live with that. So like, yes, he might be out of prison, but he has to live with the fact that he took part in the murder of his child. And that is so much trauma and turmoil that he will live with forever. That's his own prison, you know, to deal with. So, And the reason that Sarah got so much more than than Bruce was Sarah was the one that actually was beating them with the pronged in and that caused the whole yes, Lucas so yeah she was held to a much higher uh standard i guess accountability yeah 
Now, after everybody else in the group saw just how hard the judge came down on Sarah, they were like, oh, fuck. And they started making some plea deals because they were like, that's a long time in jail. So, but the prosecution was like, we will only accept a plea deal if everybody accepts it. That's it. Oh, wow. And I think it it was Tiffany. Like, it took her a while to finally be like, okay, fine. And (laughs) so they all agreed to it. And this is how their sentences unfolded with their plea deals. So Debbie was charged with first-degree assault and second-degree assault and was sentenced to five years in prison. She was actually released in January of 2020 after only serving about three years. Now, from what I know, I think Debbie has been able to de- uh, deprogram a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um from what I've from what I've been told from Crystal, Debbie has seen Bruce in jail one or two times, and Bruce has said that they they are more on the same page than they're not. I don't okay. know exactly what that means, but to me, that seems that maybe she has been able to deprogram a little bit. Crystal doesn't know a whole lot; they're not on the best of terms. I don't blame her. So that's just what she's been able to find. Okay. Tracy and Daniel. So Tracy, remember, is Tiffany's mom and Daniel is one of her brothers. CPR woman. Yes. Uh, They took Alfred, please. And since they weren't the ones who partook in the beating, they were found guilty of wrongful imprisonment and were sentenced to two years in prison. They were both released in March of 2017 after only serving one year and five months in jail. If you don't know what an Alfred plea is, it's basically pleading guilty, but also being able to hold on to your innocence. But you're basically saying, okay, they have enough ed- evidence to prove I'm guilty by most likely a jury would say I'm guilty, but I'm just going to do an Alfred plea so that that it says I'm guilty, but I'm still holding on to my innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're rude to me, but yeah. Tiffany also uh, took an Alfred plea. At the last minute, she was like trying to get out of the plea deal. or They were like, bitch, no. Oh it was God. all of you or none of you. So like, you, you're still in this. Oh my God. She's like, oh, I want a trial. Fuck you. I sit on a cactus. <laughs> um, so with her plea, her Alfred plea, um, she was charged with uh, first degree manslaughter and second degree assault. She was sentenced to 12 years for manslaughter and five years for assault. And they were served concurrently, meaning she'll serve them both at the same time. Now, if she serves her full sentence, she'll be released around 2028. But she is up for parole in 2026. Too soon. That's too soon. I'm sorry. I don't think she's deprogrammed like one one bit and like she <sighs> can start a whole nother church. Where's she in prison? (laughs) Mother and son, Linda. Mm -hmm. Linda and her son, David, were charged with two counts of second-degree assault and were sentenced to five years per charge to run concurrently at the same time. They were released in February of 2020. Gross. Now, I will say, and I think I've said this in another case, but like there is just something that brings me so much fucking joy when somebody's released from prison, like when I'm reading up on a case, when it's like somebody I really hate and they're released from prison right before the fucking pandemic started because I'm like, ha ha, motherfucker. Yeah, if you've never served in prison, then you wouldn't understand the transition period to coming back to the real world because it really is shocking Mm -hmm. to come back into a normal lifestyle and have to build from the ground up pretty much. And then on top of that, 
coming into the... Yeah, Lola speaks from experience, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been to prison. <laughs> I know a lot of people that have been to prison. But, just kidding. Uh, yeah. But, but coming back into the real world is already a hard thing. And then on top of it, the pandemic makes everything so weird. And all, yeah. okay, when you're in prison, you don't have a lot of tech... So you're kind of out of the loop when it comes to like technology. And, you know, we went full tech in 2020. So it's like, what do Mm -hmm. I do? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So So. like that kind of makes me happy. I'm like, bitch. Like you had to, you guys had to figure out this world. Yeah. Now, Joseph, the other brother, uh, Tiffany's other brother, uh, he pled guilty and was charged with first degree gang assault and second degree assault. He was sentenced to eight years on gang assault and five years for assault to run concurrently. Same time. He was actually just released at the end of September and 2022. (laughs) Here's something I want to note about his trial because fucking pisses me off. Um, When his trial took place, he kept trying to like plead his innocence while also Mm -hmm. taking a plea deal. And they were like, you can't do that. And like, he's like, I was there, but I didn't cause the harm that killed him. I'm innocent. (laughs) They're like, we get that. That's not uh, how the law works. Okay, buddy. Like that's, that that's, you still like, you still like, you held them back. So like, there are consequences to your actions. You didn't give them a chance to defend themselves. So like you were, you were culpable for what was yeah. happening. It took forever for him to admit that like he hit them and he held them and so others could hit them. So like he was guilty. Oh, yeah. So at his sentencing also, Crystal spoke and she talked about like how this affected her and her loss and everything. But then the judge also let Joe respond and he said, quote, I forgive you, Crystal. <gasps> You don't know the pain I've endured. You don't know the pain of losing a brother. I do. You left on your own accord and made this all happen. I forgive you. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Uh -uh. This this is... No. This is what I'm talking about, the fucking brainwashing. If you remember from part one, they had told Crystal, or they had said, like, somebody, like, God saying donate this big chunk of money. And then Tiffany's like, if you don't, God said something bad's going to happen to one of your family members and then told Crystal it was her responsibility and God said she was supposed to give this money. And so now Joseph's like, see, you left on your own accord. He was not really your brother. He was my brother because he saved. And because you left and you didn't give that money because God said you made this happen, it's all your fault. Super interesting. And I forgive you for it. Super, super interesting. But you're the one going behind bars. So, jot that down. Right? Like, <laughs> um, I'm not in the wrong the here. Slow but burn. Just, <laughs> Crystal says that the judge did wonderful on all these cases uh, for the most part. But the one moment she was disappointed in this judge was when he said that he believed that Joseph was the most sincere out of everyone that was charged. That's gross. That's gross. I, I, what? Wait, how? She's like, that was like the one moment that she was like, are you fucking kidding me? Respect gone. He literally blames Crystal. Yeah. Right? I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna like say you had a big fucking brain fart in that moment, Judge. I, cause I can't, I can't. So I want to end this case talking about Lucas and who he was and give an update of sorts, um, for a few people. 
Now, Lucas was quiet and very thoughtful, a lot like Bruce, his father. He was always laughing and teasing his younger siblings while also looking out for them at the same time. Growing up, Lucas loved tinkering with stuff, and he even carved a few handmade pipes out of wood and stone. Damn. I have a picture of them that I'll also add. It's really, they're really cool. Artistic. Um, I think Lucas admired, right? I think Lucas admired Crystal for leaving WLCC. And the day he went to church with her, he actually had told them, um, her and her husband at the time, that he had planned on joining the army and becoming a medic, but he needed to finish a few more classes. Crystal believes that Lucas only stayed at WLCC because he wanted to try and get his whole family out instead of just him leaving himself. Like this Uh, just shows how much he cared about others, specifically his family. And to me, that's just a very tragic thought because the people that he cared about the most and that like the reason he stayed were the people who partook in his death. Oh man, that's hard. Now, after Lucas's death, he was cremated and his sister Crystal currently has his ashes. Uh, There was a GoFundMe created and the money that was collected was around $1,600. Crystal used that money and with the permission of the city was able to actually put in a memorial bench for Lucas. It's located between two grand maple trees and overlooks the city pool where Lucas actually spent one summer lifeguarding. There was like one summer he was at Boyle to actually get a normal job and he was a very good lifeguard. Now, the city helped by pouring a cement slab for the bench to be placed on. The bench was um, has Lucas's name on it with his year of birth and the year of his death, along with the quote, I know but one freedom, and that is the freedom of the mind by Antonio de Saint-Exupéry. It's French, and I'm not good at pronouncing. <laughs> I was going to say, is that Spanish or French? French? I can't tell. I, I tried to put a little French yeah. on it. Yeah. No, that's great. This is probably like... Croissant. Anyway. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the case. So, Crystal, do you remember when I talked about in part one, Helen, the woman who was, you know, yes. forced... Yeah. yeah. Helen was forced to get married to that guy, helps, forced to help facilitate the divorce, right? So, that Helen. Mm-hmm. Crystal and Helen are now married. Fuck yeah. Yes, it is. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So like... Happy marriage, guys. uh, That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Helen and Crystal grew up as friends, but as they got older, they were forced to separate. So not only that, but when Helen was forced to marry the man she helped get divorced, Crystal was forced to be her bridesmaid. They had been friends for years and then they were separated. I think all the like adults were like, Meh. Oh. We, we, we see homo love. We're not okay with this. Friends we, to uh, lovers. No. So they separated them as friends. Mm-hmm. So they made Crystal be her bridesmaid, even though they hadn't spoken in over a year. <laughs> then the man that Crystal was forced to marry was actually an ex-boyfriend of Helen. And Crystal was forced to tell Helen in person that they were getting married, even though they hadn't spoken in six or more years. And then Helen was forced to serve the bride and groom's table at Crystal's wedding. That's weird. That's mad weird. They were doing this shit on they purpose. Were. They were doing it That's on purpose. To just like, it's like they saw the gay love yeah. forming. Even though Crystal and Helen say that they didn't realize that's what was happening. As kids, they just like really liked each other as friends. They didn't realize it was this emotional connection. Love, love. You know, yeah. But the adults could see it. And so they were like, we're going to separate them. Not only are we going to separate them, but we're going to like 
throw some daggers in there, like any chance we can to make them like even more, like, I don't know, uh, drive them further and further apart, I guess. I don't know. That's That's crazy. crazy. Oh my God. Now they have been married for, I have five years. I think it's probably closer to six at this point. Um, So they've been married for five, six years. She has said that the best thing that she has got to experience after leaving WLCC is marrying Helen and getting to find her authentic self. She's currently in her first year of earning her bachelor's degree in forensic criminology. She said this uh, was a 26-year dream of hers in the making, but because the high school diploma that she had earned from the school at that church was fucking useless, because they were not registered with the state of New York, that she didn't actually, she couldn't get into college. And so she finally bit the bullet uh, a little over a year ago and got her GED and is now attending college. That is amazing. I know. I'm so proud of her. I just can't wait to see like what all this turns into and like what she does for life. She's amazing. Uh, Crystal still suffers with CPTSD and continually has nightmares where she is fighting the Irwins and trying to escape. Not long ago, she had a dream where she went into the church, found Lucas and saved him. Mm. She said when she woke up, she felt so triumphant, (sighs) but only for the reality of grief and anger to take over just a few seconds later. She deals with survivor's guilt and from time to time will wonder, what if I had just given the money? What if I had checked on Lucas after he attended church with me? Now, she knows that these thoughts are not productive. Like, they don't do anything and they're not helpful, but... It's natural. I would think the same thing. It's natural to do those, like, what ifs. As much as they're not helpful, it's very natural. Crystal's no longer religious. She's tried to attend church a few times after she got divorced from art, but her kids hated it and she felt invisible and it was just super uncomfortable. Um, She said for so long, her prayers had gone unanswered. So she was just like, I'm done, which totally understand. Um, She says one day she may believe in something, but for now she's okay just walking away completely. Now she does chat with her dad on the phone, Bruce, and by email and by letter, and she visits him. Crystal still grieves over the relationships with her family that she's lost, like her relationship with Sarah's kids. The thing that pains her the most is that many family members still believe the lies about her. Even Debbie and her siblings believe that Crystal conspired with uh, the DA and then with Susan Ashland, the author of Without a Prayer, and was paid heavily for her contributions. Um, She was not. (laughs) Yeah. This is the part, like, I just, this woman, I swear, she's amazing. Crystal strongly wants reform and help for her sister, Sarah. Through connecting with her, I found out that Sarah's enmeshment with the Irwins didn't really start till she came back to live with the Leonards. It was supposed to be temporary, but the Irwins took it as an opportunity to make Sarah their own personal living spy, to tattle on the Leonards, like I said. She was getting attention and love from the Irwins, and she believed this was what God called her to do and was the right thing. So she fell in line just like many others had done. Now, Crystal understands firsthand how much this brainwashing controls you and how much the manipulation um, affects your thoughts and actions and how hard it is to come out of it. So she has made it known through her blog that she wants more help for Sarah. She says, quote, Sarah needs help. She needs support. She needs mental health care. The state of New York says that as the sister of the victims, I am a victim of a violent crime. As a victim, I have a voice. Justice is not served by punishment and continued pain for all involved. Justice is correction, remediation, and redemption. So powerful. Wow. I know. It just shows her heart. 
Now, uh, Crystal has been unable to connect with Christopher since she left the church. Um, Christopher has had a really hard time, um, really, I think, connecting with anybody who was an adult at that time. I think there's a lot of betrayal. He's still pretty mm-hmm. young. He was able to graduate from high school and she did attend his graduation. Crystal is respecting his decision to just like not reconnect. But I just really hope that Christopher, or not, yeah, yeah, Christopher is able to progress through his healing journey move forward, find life and love and find a purpose in life that it just, I just hope this kind of trauma doesn't lead him down a path of destruction or pain and hurt that he's not able to come out of because that could easily happen. That's definitely one of the most important things when you leave a cult is to like, you have to redefine what your purpose is and re relearn you yourself too or get to know yourself for the first time. Yeah. And create your own identity. And he was, he was so young. Like he was, I think, 16 ish, 16, 17 around this time. And so he's so young and you're already trying to figure out who you are. And now you've gone through all of this. You're both your parents are in prison. You, your brother has been murdered. You were part of this horrific attack. Like I, uh, I just can't imagine what he has and continues to try to process and go through. Uh, Debbie was released and went into subsidized housing. Her and Bruce still talk from time to time um, and they are still married. Bruce has a year or so left on his sentence. He has big plans and a long list of foods he wants to eat. He wants to go to Florida and hunt pythons <laughs> and hopes to connect with Rich Dibble, which Rich Dibble was the Anglican, I was right, Anglican priest, who helped Bruce uh, deprogram. Crystal says that Rich nice. and his family are literally a pearl and they're just like what she calls collateral beauty that has come from mm. this whole mess, this uh, Rich Dibble and his family. They've really connected with them and that's been amazing. Now, in 2019, the WLCC building was sold due to the wrongful death suit that was filed by Crystal Leonard. Now, it was sold for $125,000 and then after paying attorney fees and more, the money was given to Lucas's estate and it was dispersed amongst his heirs of his estate. Now, each person um, only received about, I think it was like sixteen. $1,800. The person who bought the building had planned to turn it into a substance abuse rehab center, but for some reason that failed to happen. Not hmm. really sure what happened. Now the church is up for sale and has been since January of 2021. As of August 9th, um, when I looked it up, uh, 2023, the building is still listed for sale and she has it listed at $389,000. So that's a... I'll buy it for 2000 Nobody wants it, which like everybody knows what happened in that church. You know, like it's just, it's a, it's a stain on, on the community. And so I, I understand it's a building. I understand it has history and it's, it's, it used to be a school, but it just tear it down. A lot of fire, tear it down. Do you just, went full Southern, like full cornbread saying fire? I did. <laughs> fire. <laughs> Hey, it's rubbing off on me. What can I say? You went full cornbread and okra. (laughs) (laughs) okra. Um, Now, if you'd like to go meander of the church, you can uh, just Google 3354 Oh, not a straight uh, Chadwick's New York. Just look it up. I will post a picture of it though in Instagram. (laughs) Don't get handled. I went real Southern a few times. (sighs) It's so good because you have absolutely no accent in general. I don't. 
I don't, but yeah. I can pull one out of my ass sometimes. And sometimes it sinks out. That's good. Sometimes it is. Hmm. Now I will end with this. Okay. I thought this was kind of cool that the woman did. The woman who bought the building now. Okay. When she owned the building, well, she still owns it, but after she first bought it, um, she held a burning party um, called hmm. Lucas's Watchfire, where they burned many items that were left in the building, which because like everyone went to jail. So yeah, it all literally just stood there. They burned Tiffany's pulpit, school desks, the Irwin's fireplace, uh, mantle, part of their dining room, and they even burned the WLCC church sign. <laughs> wow. I can only imagine as uh, if I, because Crystal went, like I can, I can only imagine just standing there and watching it burn and how I feel like cathartic. Yeah. Like that would have been. Also, I didn't mention this earlier, but I do want to say, I think it's a, a very, the audacity of these people to like berate Debbie for having a dirty home and not being like the housewife that she needed to be. When these cops went into this motherfucking building, it smelled so musty. It was old and dirty. Ugh. They had like boxes all in the hallway. T uh, Tracy, the the wife... Uh, Jerry's wife, she was like having a dog. She was running a dog breeding company. Like just fucking dog breeding out of the church. They had a whole, whole area where they had kennels inside the, inside the church, inside this building and just like dog shit everywhere. And it was nasty and moldy and gross. I'm like, Are you try to tell Debbie that she needs to be a better housewife. Like pick up a mop. God damn it. What the hell? That's gross. No, but yeah, that is the unfortunate death of Lucas Leonard and the oh, cult wow. that is was known as WLCC. It is no longer. I was going to say, is it alive? <laughs> that might change when Tiffany gets out. So it's no, no, not no, alive. No, no. But I, I'm terrified for Tiffany to get out of jail. Like, can we just, can we just keep her in? Like, no, but we please. we all know her now. We know yeah. what destruction she's capable of, mm -hmm. and with the help of this podcast and many others spreading awareness of it, it will not breathe again. She is not a prophet. She can't hear from God. If somebody tells you they can hear from God, send them to a medical professional to get evaluated. That's all I'm saying. Actually, you know what? If they say that they hear from God, ask for the phone number because I'd really like to get in touch with right? God. I'd really love to just <laughs> have a direct line. Sometime. Or just, I'm sorry, Lola, that doesn't work like that because like you have to pray enough and you have to be holy enough. Oh, I don't pray. So we're, we're little heretics over here. Mm. She used to be like, ah, turn his nose up at us. <laughs> I am a hydrated heretic. Uh, Put that on a t-shirt. Are you kidding me? Yeah, hell That's yeah. good. Fuck yeah. TM that. TM that. Hydrated heretic. Fuck yeah. So let's move on to our quick, our quick little palate cleansers. Leave you guys with some fun little oh, yes. notes before we leave. Go story. Yeah. Go story. So Go story. I wanted to tell you guys a story. I'm going to tell you a story. It is the funniest. It's going to make you laugh because my child's hilarious. So this happened a, a while back, but it's my favorite story. So I like telling it. So my child, uh, my youngest, she is Four, this happened when she was three. So she was in the bath and she's by herself. And my husband walked in after going out and getting some stuff and coming back in. And he noticed there was a lot of bubbles in the bath. And so he was like, honey, did you pour soap in the bath? And she's like, no. 
it was the middle child. Like she said her name, but she's like, it's her. And Tyler goes, she hasn't even taken a bath yet. And she's like, uh, and she's laying in the water. And she goes, she goes, it was the ghost. And she points up to the ceiling. Like, it was the ghost who did it. And she goes, hi, ghost. And then she like leans her head down and goes, hi, Ella. (laughs) (laughs) And she pretends to be the ghost. Oh, my God. She's like, no, it was the ghost. And the ghost is like, (laughs) then she's like, oh, it's the ghost. Hi, ghost. Hi, Ella. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so fucking cute. Tell me Tyler's reaction. It's my favorite story. I will... He started hysterically laughing. And then he, like, literally just, like, didn't get onto her. He's like, touche, you win. How can you be mad? I know you put soap in the water. You're not in trouble because, like, that was so fucking hilarious. And he just left. He walked out and, like, was like, Lacey, come here. And he told me the story. And I laughed. It's my favorite story. I will tell it on her wedding day. Yes. I will definitely do it on her way. Yes. It's my favorite. What are you, what is your palate cleanser, Lola? Speaking of weddings, uh, I'm. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. an amazing segue. <laughs> Speaking of weddings, um, didn't even mean to. I, what am I doing? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm officiating a wedding <laughs> in a few days for some friends of mine and I'm very yeah! happy and excited for them. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. You, you have to tell your fiance to take a picture because oh, they I will have Because I think it's so cool. It. Have you, I have pictures of me officiating my sister's wedding. Have I not shown you those? I have not seen that. Oh, I did not you know those. you officiated a wedding ever. Yeah, I have to see it. I just think it's so fucking cool. I'm pretty okay at it, I think. Sh- uh, I bet you're more than okay at it. Oh, thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll send you pictures of it. But yeah, so I'm doing that. Super excited. So nice. Well, those were our palate cleansers. I hope you guys at least got a breath of fresh air <gasps> from those because that's it's just not this was not a good case, you know. No, I think there were some shining moments at the end, like some 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 beauty that they were able to make from the rubble. But yeah, that is the case of. The Death of Lucas Leonard and the WLCC Cult. If you want to read the book, it's called Without a Prayer. We will link it again in the show notes. And I will also link Crystal's blog if you want to go check that out. And um, yeah, that's it. So thanks for listening, guys. We love you. Yes, we love you. Don't be a dick. (laughs) And don't join a cult. Don't don't do those things. Don't do those things. Go eat a cookie. Take a nap. Eat a cookie. Bye. Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and remember to bring your sacrifice to the blood ritual. Just kidding, a review will suffice. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Cowell. Thanks for listening.